Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The real reason the chicken crossed the road was to get hit by a truck so it didn't have to listen to this show. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Ooh, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, once again coming to you pre-recorded. But on this week's episode in Pipe Parts, I'm going to answer a question on other collectibles in the pipe and tobacco world, other collections. And then my guest is... uh, pipe maker and musician Scott Thiele and we'll have him on and music mailbag and a rant all that coming up on this week's episode of the pipes magazine radio show uh just a couple of things please keep sharing out the pipes magazine radio show wherever you happen to uh know of pipe smokers keep uh sharing it in your facebook groups in your forums and stuff like that and iTunes ratings and reviews, much, much, much appreciated. We really do appreciate that. Also, uh, pipe show season coming up. So, uh, yeah, make sure and get yourself to a pipe show. Uh, check Pipes Magazine under the pipe shows, and you'll see a listing of the current ones coming up, uh, I believe. In fact, as this show goes out, uh, the St. Louis Pipe Show will be uh a week away week and a half away so hope you guys have a good time there i know it's always been always been one of those shows that is really well attended by a bunch of locals from the air you know and people from uh, a couple of states away um i won't be there sadly i think it's on valentine's weekend which is a bit of a problem <laughs> for me yeah anyway um and then uh mule town pipe show so all right get yourself to a pipe show All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step, preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening, are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. (laughs) 
And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, pipe parts. And this is inspired by, once again, another uh, another email from Jim the Pipe Rookie. And Jim, thank you very much for all your, all your emails. Appreciate it. Uh, and he wrote me and he said, Brian, have you done a show about tobacco antiques and collectibles? I acquired an antique tobacco cutter. The estate sale featured numerous tobacco signs, which were sold within hours. People drove for miles for this stuff. As a newcomer to the tobacco hobby, it's been a surprise how much of a demand tobacco antiques seem to be. All right, so I, I thought about this, and I said, yeah, all right. You know what, there is... Um, there are other things in tobacco, in tobacchiana that we like to collect. So I made a list. Are you ready? And this is why some stuff people drive for miles around for it. Uh, tobacco jars. Uh, the jars that people would bring their tobacco home in and set them down. Uh, some of those were made by some of the finest porcelain houses in Europe, some of the finest bone china manufacturers. Some of them get quite collectible. Some of them are very ornate. Uh, my friend and fellow doctor of pipes, Tad Gage, has a wonderful collection of tobacco jars that uh, you know range in size from you know, just something that you might have on the corner of a desk all the way up to something that would be on display in a store. Uh, I know for a lot of collectors, the creme de creme of tobacco jars to collect are the Dunhill tobacco display jars that held three, four, five pounds. I mean, they're, they're big. Uh, but tobacco jars. The next thing, and uh, Jim talked about it in the email, is uh, tobacco signage. And most of those were the tin or metal plate signs, and you'd see them up on the side of the, on the outside of the building, or the inside of the building. It was just basically in-store or on-location advertisement. Uh, some gorgeous lithography work and metal stamping. Some of them are, you know, have uh, textured reliefs, multiple colors. Uh, some of those old brands are politically not correct anymore, so there's a lot of interest in those and the tobacco signs in particular uh, because tobacco signs were all over the place not just for pipe tobacco but for cigarettes for chewing tobacco for cigars they cross into every possible genre of tobacco um, empty old empty tins and old empty tins you can find on ebay and again for the same reason people collect those as they collect the uh the advertising signs because the old tins were beautiful pieces of art, fully colored all the way around, not just like our round tins or our square tins are now where there's a sticker on the front and the back. These were silk screened printed full color tins and some of them are just absolutely wonderful to actually just look at as pieces of art. So you can collect old tobacco tins. And in that old tobacco, you're going to find everything from cigarette tobacco to pipe tobacco to chewing tobacco or even uh, nasal snuff. Uh, tampers. Tampers as a collection. And uh, again, my friend and fellow doctor of pipes, Chuck Stanion, has a huge collection of figural tampers that he's collected over the years. And you know, keep in mind, when pipe smoking was 
you know, when when uh, one out of five guys was smoking a pipe in the 1930s and 40s and into the 50s, uh, you might get your favorite, you know, your favorite former president or your favorite uh, character as your pipe tamper, and it'd just be their sculpted head on the top of the tamper. So, you know, obviously not use it as a pick. Uh, but then tampers were made out of different materials, and so they're, you know, collecting tampers is another way to uh, add to your tobacco collection and, uh, you know, put them on display. And if you collect a lot of tampers, they don't take up a lot of space. Uh, tobacco cutters, as Jim talked about, he bought an antique tobacco cutter. Now, what he's talking about is a single arm fixed blade cutter that would go through a little kind of a guillotine area. And the reason they had these was in a lot of places, chewing tobacco and pipe tobacco was sold in rope form. So in the rope, you would buy it by the inch. At the tobacco shop, you would go in and you would order one inch or two inches or three inches, and they'd put the rope in there and measure it out and use that tobacco cutter, that one single lever, pull it down over the guillotine area where the rope went through, and slice that off. Now, people collect these because brands would sponsor the cutters in the store as advertising. So they wanted to you know, get your name, get their name out there, whatever the brand was. And these cutters are big and heavy. Most of them are iron and then a stainless steel blade and ornate looking. So you can polish them up. Some of them are made out of brass. Uh, just, you know, beautiful things, big and heavy though. Uh, and then finally, you want to talk about big and heavy tobacco scales. So when you went into a tobacco shop, you could also buy tobacco by the ounce and tobacco companies would put their names over the top of the scale. So there's actually tobacco scales that have some advertising attached to them and people have collected them. You get them, you clean them up or you leave them patinaed however you want. But I think they look pretty cool at that point. All right. Hope you... Hope that made sense to you. Hope you maybe you learned something. And in just a moment, my conversation with Scott Thiele. This is Internet Radio. For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike. And our workshop, too, is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan. And for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mila Folge, 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us is a guest from the past. And I, I got to say, I thought, I thought I'd had, I thought I'd had you on the show a second time. 
But apparently the one and only visit with Scott Thiele goes all the way back to episode 10 in November of 2012. So please welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show, now full-time pipe maker Scott Thiele. Scott, welcome back. Well, thank you, Brian. It's uh, great to be back, and um, uh, even if it has been a while, I I didn't think uh, it had been that long until we hashed it out. I remembered episode ten, but not not that it was that long ago. <laughs> yeah, I I thought for sure I had had you on the show somewhere in the middle somehow. I don't know. I guess it's because, you know, we, we don't talk that often, but we see each other at pipe shows and we chat on the phone yeah. occasionally. Um, you know, I can't. So I'm sorry. I meant to have you back sooner, but <laughs> it's nothing, nothing, well, nothing personal. Um, right. You know. Right. Well, uh, fortunately, we do get a chance to see each other a few times a year usually. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's uh, it's good to be back on the show. I appreciate you having me again. Yeah, so in the past 10 years, what's new? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, the whole world has changed, of course, but um, yeah. uh, my my world in particular uh, has changed pretty dramatically. Um, I, uh, um, I guess most, especially for me, um, I retired uh, about two and a half years ago, um, yeah, from uh, Murray State University, where I'd been a piano technician, instrument technician for close to 25 years. Wow. Um, a career I really enjoyed uh, most aspects of, <laughs> uh, and all the aspects that involve uh, working with the students and the musicians and uh, working on the instruments. Um, that part was great, uh, as is often the case with jobs in academia uh, mine involved a certain amount of red tape and uh, managing the instrument inventory and dealing with certain aspects of that uh, really got old and um, and I also knew I wanted to have as much time to to play around with pipes uh, as possible and um, not getting any younger <laughs> So uh, I, I coveted the possibility of having more time for pipes and a couple other uh, activities, too. I've uh, uh, recently started sailing, so that's another big change. I, I grew up sailing and, and kind of put that to bed uh, during the years of having my family, uh, boys at home. And uh, so I've got all kinds of... of uh, new activities now and i get to wake up every morning and if it looks like a nice sailing day i kind of clear the slate and go sailing and if it uh, doesn't look like a good sailing day i wander out to the shop and play around with pipes uh or mess around with pipedia those are usually my big decisions <laughs> yeah uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about pipedia in a in a little bit here but um it, on on your personal side, didn't you also become a grandfather in the last 10 years? Oh, my God. You are right. Yeah, uh, yeah seven years ago. Um, yeah, Grandpa Scott. 
Grandpa Scott. Actually, I'm officially known as Grandpa Tucky. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I have a, I have a really, uh, I have a wonderful, super smart, um, scary smart grandson who reminds me a whole heck of a lot of his father and who's now uh, paying back uh, my son (laughs) for, for a lot of what he did. Uh, uh, to me and to his brothers, I guess. Uh, but um, it's a it's a joy. One of the one of the really fun things I have a, a tradition. Um, recently, with the holidays passing, I have a tradition of making Christmas pipes uh, for my sons um, and uh, uh, three sons, all of whom uh, smoke a pipe a little bit, <laughs> not a lot. But they they humor me with this. I've been doing it for a number of years. And then when my grandson was born, I started making uh, some kind of a thing for him. Uh, you know, it'd be a little little car or a truck or I made a, uh, a train one year and um, a tic-tac-toe set last year. This year, um, he has... Uh, is a big fan of the Harry Potter series. And um, as I am too, actually, I really have enjoyed that. So I made him a wand uh, fashioned loosely after Harry Potter's first wand. And I used, uh, I used Holly for that, which was the wood used in Harry's first wand. Um <laughs> Uh, and I figured out a way to put a feather in the core um, of the wand to give it some power. Um, sadly, phoenix feathers <laughs> are in very short supply here in Kentucky, so I had to settle for a, a Kentucky Lake bird feather. Um, I'm not actually sure which species of bird, but um, well, I think it's got some special power. <laughs> I, yeah, I believe it turns all water directly into bourbon. <laughs> oh gosh yeah well we'll have to work on that incantation that that might prove uh productive for him in the future yeah all right so let, <laughs> let's talk about the other thing that happened in the last 10 years that i love to um poke at you about but you received a platinum record yes that is true and um as I often mention when you uh, when you like to bring this up, um, I was standing near some very talented people for a while, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I got in the way long enough uh, to be on a on a very successful record with uh, the Nickel Creek Band, and um, uh, it it is actually one of my. Uh, one of my happiest moments was getting to be on on that project uh, with those three wonderful musicians, my son Chris and um, uh, Sean and Sarah Watkins. Uh, it's uh, and uh, actually Allison Krause produced that. It was great to get to work with her on that too. But um, it uh, it was a huge privilege, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. But I also uh, look up at that record and realize I had very little to do with that other than uh, the gene pool um, and being the only one with a driver's license. <laughs> well, wait a second. So fifty percent of the fifty percent of Chris's gene pool 
So could you imagine if he had a real, a uh, different, I mean, somebody else is a father, how talented he would be. <laughs> right. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, it, it, he could have been really something. Now here's what I want, what I want every listener of the show to do. And I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give you Chris, I'll give you Scott's email address at the end of the show, but email Scott or pester Scott somehow to bring his platinum record to a pipe show i'm thinking chicago would be a good one because you can drive there easily with it so <laughs> well uh, and you were encouraging me to to bring it to the uh, las vegas uh, international pipe show and i was reminding you that that i i could probably i would be tempted to pawn it so i could <laughs> spend the money on the on the uh, blackjack table <laughs> yeah well that way the, see there's no casino at chicago so you should right bring that's the, what uh, i'm saying there's an advantage there but uh, yeah. no i uh i kind of like keeping um that part of my life not not necessarily uh separate but it, at least not um not to flaunt it uh especially uh, given um, that I feel like my success was much more related to uh, the work of the other members in the band. <laughs> All right, after you're done being Mr. Humble and rubbing gravel in your hair in your head and everything, yeah, all right. You still were on the album. You still contributed to the band, and the band sold over a million copies of that album, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, no, it, it's true, and I, I am, I am really proud of all that. Um, but with uh, wise uh, eyes wide open about about uh, exactly how I ended up there. Um, but it, yeah, it's and it's a great, it's a great project. I, I still like listening to it, um, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm. I just having a relationship with those great musicians and getting to follow what they're doing now, um, it, you know, has also just been really a, a fun part of my life. I'm still playing music, but it's certainly um, not as notable. <laughs> you used to bring your bass to Chicago and play it in the uh, in the in the weird bizarre owner's suite way at the back yeah, of Pheasant oh, Run. I, I have such great memories of that. I'm hoping in the, uh, you know, we can find a spot. Certainly won't have the uh, the same aesthetic in the new venue as the as the old venue had. Uh, I even had a, a crazy idea that it would be fun uh, for somebody in the general area, you know, we could find an old flatbed trailer and try and and uh, resurrect that um, that wow. owner's apartment in a in a miniature form on a flatbed trailer, <laughs> and drag it drag it there and uh, and try and you know, we could get a, a porta potty and and outfit it with uh, gold faucets and stuff <laughs> <laughs> and, and shag carpeting down on shag the trail. carpeting yes. yeah exactly <laughs> oh the acoustics were wonderful. All right, we're going to we're going to take a break when we come back we'll talk about pipe making and pipepedia so stay with us we'll be back in just a minute. Take a look at your pipe rack. Are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation or are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore? 
Through SmokingPipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack, inspect, and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit, valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of Smoking Pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888-366-0345. That's 888-366-0345. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Scott Thiele, who, uh, Scott, you have to promise that when the album goes double platinum, because it's still selling, uh, then you bring out the double platinum record, okay? Oh, all right. And when it goes double, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll definitely haul it out. Okay. All right. So how has your pipe making changed now that you've got a little less time pressure, I guess, because you, you don't have to squeeze it in around a full-time job. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, um, it's still evolving to be honest with you. I had, um, thought that I would be able to make a lot more pipes and I, and that's certainly true in theory. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and in practice, um, I am making slightly more pipes, but still, it's still right around 50 pipes a year. Um, and you know, I could easily increase that. Um, and I think I will, um, as my situation stabilizes, I've been, um, I've been taking advantage of the freedom, uh, I have to do stuff like sailing and, um, Spending time with Pipedia, um, different things have kind of uh, taken me a little bit further away from pipe making than I had originally intended it would after retiring. But um, but I totally aspire to get my uh, production um, up a little bit. I love making pipes. Um, I'm really not any happier doing anything else other than pipe making um other than i do really enjoy sailing and and spending time with family but the pipe making is is right up there and there's a certain amount i find creatively there's a certain amount of um inertia involved in getting started so um once i start uh, pipes or several several pipes or a pipe once i get it rolling it's just like i can't keep my hands off it. I kind of wake up thinking about it and want to work on it right away <laughs> or come back to it as soon as I can. But that process of starting is sometimes, um, it's sometimes a little daunting. Like you're not quite sure what you're going to make or, um, uh, but once I get something rolling, it, it's just a hundred percent, um, compelling to keep going with it. Are you doing pipes just based off of what you see in the block or are you doing them to to order uh i mean what what's holding you back what, what's got the anchor up your butt from getting started well it just kind of uh, i think the process of deciding what to do um is a part of it i i don't 
um, I don't like to take commissions. Um, so I'm not really, um, you know, I'm not really having to make a certain thing. It's more what I want to make. And um, I really appreciate um, the freedom to not have to um, worry about taking commissions. Um, and uh, that's thankfully because I have a modest pension and social, social security and I'm still playing music. So uh, the make, making pipes is an important part of my income, but it's not putting food on the table. Um, so, um, you know, I like having that freedom. Uh, yeah. I really don't like to be um, feeling like I need to make something or I'm running behind on something. Uh, and so when I have taken a few commissions or I, I used to call them requests, um, and it didn't really feel like it worked out that well. I, I felt like, um, the, uh, the client wasn't getting the best pipe I was capable of making and I wasn't having as much fun doing it. And so, um, I haven't eliminated the idea of doing that in the future, but I, it's, I guess because of my personality, I have to, I have to be realistic about what the expectations are. <laughs> so you really, you, you really are like the musician that played in, you know, played in clubs and jazz lounges and all that stuff over the years. And now you yeah. just want to go back. And when you pick up your instrument, you want to play what makes you happy, not what other people are telling you to. Well, that's definitely true. Um, similarly to uh, how I approach pipes, you know, with music, I just play the music I want to play. And, uh, you know, I'm fortunate to have a, a, a few different um, uh, folks that want to play. Um, partly, I pick the right instrument if uh, <laughs> there are not <laughs> enough bass players in the world. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, owning a bass and and uh, a way to get it someplace and being able to show up uh, to a gig sober um, is those are all real good attributes. And if you can play a little bit, that's sort of a, uh, a bonus. <laughs> it might even get you on a platinum record. Well, yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here, here we go again, kids with the with if you want to be a professional musician, play the bass. Oh, it's really great advice. Um, and it also, I feel, um, I, you know, my personality is sort of, um, seems to be uniquely suited for it. I, I've always liked sort of being behind the scenes. Um, uh, it, I like that with my career in piano work, uh, you know, working on pianos for great musicians and, uh, not being the one standing in the front of the band or, uh, you know, trying to do a solo thing. And just letting, you know, letting the other people shine uh, and hopefully contributing something to yeah. that effort uh, with, you know, without having to be the main talent. That's that sort of feels like that's sort of my niche in life. <laughs> yeah. And I and I got to say, and I, I'm doing a bunch of deep research here, uh, very deep. And I think I've deciphered that you've now made a little bit over 500 pipes in your pipe making career. Yeah, that uh, that was really exciting. That yeah. was a surprise to me. You know, I'm I'm numbering my pipes. Um, uh, it was right ahead of the uh, Columbus Pipe Show this year. I'm numbering my pipes, and I realized, oh man, that's number five hundred. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and 
you know that was that was a neat milestone i mean it obviously i i've been making pipes for uh what 16 well actually 17 years this month i think so um you know that doesn't end up being a, a very great percentage per year um but or a great number of pipes per year but a lot of pipes got made that didn't earn numbers <laughs> uh and some probably got numbers that didn't really need them but um you know it's i've probably made somewhere around 550 to 600 pipes at this point what but what's remarkable to me about that is you even over this time uh you found a style that is all your own early on I mean, 90% of the pipes that you make, I can tell from 10 feet away who made that pipe, whether uh, that's, that's good great to hear, whether that's good or bad. Um, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but at the same time, you found that style early on and you, you have really kind of stuck with that style and you've refined. Yeah. I can see refinements over the, uh, over the 15 years, but you kind of really stuck with your style of what you like and you you really just want to make pipes that make you happy yeah well i i think i found um i found what i can be the most successful at Part, partly i make things i enjoy smoking myself um for sure uh and that actually evolves a little bit um I sometimes feel like i need to challenge myself a little more when i when i have done that um I've, I've found that to be rewarding, um, a very time consuming, but rewarding when, when I do that and I'm successful with it. Um, other times I'll, I'll try and branch out a little bit more and, and realize, well, I didn't really need to go there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so, um, but yeah, I feel like I would, I would like to do what I do well, um, as well as I can. And there's still lots of room to explore that without getting too far afield. Um, and I, I feel like I've, I've found a niche that's, um, been comfortable and reasonably successful. And, um, I probably need to push on that a little bit more, but, um, there's a, a lot of pipe makers out there that are pushing on that, and and I I really applaud them and enjoy what they're doing. And um, I don't – at first I thought I might want to push on all of that a little bit more, and, and uh, I, I think that might not be altogether in me. And I found, you know, a pretty comfortable, successful place to be that I really enjoy. So, you know, and I – uh, my pipes are a little bit more affordable than some of the cutting edge uh, envelope pushers. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you really haven't pushed your prices up. I I don't think in the in the ten twelve in the twelve years or so that I've been looking at your pipes, you've really kept your prices just kind of steady, solid right there. And uh, yeah, and, and and at the same time, you've also not been uh, tempted by pipe trends to jump on the bandwagon of something and try that shape. Right. Um, yeah, I, I tend, I think I tend towards the, the traditional fairly naturally. Um, there's some things I really, I'm really attracted to, um, that I may explore more in the, in the future. I really love, um, 
what a lot of uh, my American peers are doing, um, especially as they've been influenced by the kind of the Danish school. And I love a lot of the really beautiful Danish pipes. Um, uh, I'm not as compelled with the more sculptural um, aspects of that, but you know, what I would consider uh, just a really beautifully made uh, handmade pipe, either by an American carver or a Danish carver um, that just completely capitalizes on the wood and, and uh, you know, a fairly traditional um, shape as that goes, not, not crazy wild, but uh, I, I would love to do a little bit more than that. I do some of it um, and, you know, especially look for wood that's lean in that direction that I can capitalize on. Is that tin of full Virginia flake that's in all your pictures of your pipes? Is that tin full? Cause it, and it's got to be aged well by now. <laughs> that I think that tin's got a little tiny bit of powder left in it. <laughs> okay. So the uh, you know that's gotten harder every now and then. I see that still, but it's a little harder to get. Um, yeah. I love that tin, and I think it's a it's something. What I try to do with that. Um, that initial photograph is is have a way to gauge the size of the pipe for something that somebody might know um you know i figure i figure that's a, a good attractive way to do it i usually try and take a picture um with my hand but i have fairly large hands so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's not i can make a pretty large pipe look smaller um uh, than it might in somebody else's hand so that's that's a little bit uh and that's harder to quantify that. So the website is S E T H I L E pipes. So your, your first two initials and then Thiele pipes.com. Right. The right. really fun part of it is you've got pictures of all the Christmas pipe sets for your, for your boys, including the magic wand. And yes, those yes. are all there for us to look at. And I'm sure, well, I don't know. I, you know, if my kids were into smoking a pipe, I might hound you into making a set for me, but <laughs> I'm not that lucky. So, <laughs> well, I've been, uh, I, I wouldn't, um, immediately discount that as a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could get a set made for my kids and then I'd smoke all the pipes for them. There you go. All right. Let's talk about your other thing that you're doing. That is a huge asset to the uh to the pipe community and probably an asset that you don't make enough money off of for doing uh but that's pipepedia uh yeah. when did you start pipepedia 158 years ago now yeah yeah dark ages we uh we carved the first uh coating out of stone tablets yeah. uh, no it's um i started that a little bit after i started making pipes it was um I believe towards the end of 2006 or early 2007. Um, and, uh, it, it was really a happy accident. Um, I, uh, I had had a, a minor foot surgery that kept me out of my workshop, uh, for a little while. And I had all this pent up, uh, pipe energy and started prowling around the internet with it, which, uh, you know, there wasn't quite as much pipe stuff uh, back then as there is now, but there yeah. was a good bit of it. And um, 
I stumbled onto Wikipedia's articles that were pipe-related, and I found them kind of interesting, but I looked behind the scenes and realized, well, there's a lot of tension between um, pipe smokers and um, and anti-tobacco people, and so the article really never really had a chance to develop or a series of articles to the extent that I thought they might, and I realized as I explored the possibility that the platform that Wikipedia runs on called MediaWiki is actually um, an open source uh, platform. And, and I figured out enough to be dangerous with it. <laughs> uh, did a little search and saw that um, pipedia.org's uh, domain was available, and I snapped that up and then spent my convalescence um, uh, putting that initially together, um, and it you know it was a um, it turned out to just be a really um, productive idea, and largely because the community embraced it. It it um, it's something I'm proud to facilitate, but to the extent that it has value is really because of everyone contributing. You know, not yeah. a little bit um, by me to get it rolling, and I certainly spend a lot of time with it uh but many many other people have over the years also um yeah so that's that's why it has value it's because our community um has uh has a huge brain trust uh and they are are very open with it and it's just a matter of over time capturing as much of that as we can getting it um in a safe platform where it can be preserved. And I've taken some pains uh, to make sure that happens um, while I'm around and also um, uh, when I'm no longer able to do it, which seems closer and closer these days. But, uh, you know, I, I've, uh, I think, well, I feel personally compelled to capture as much information as we can while we still have uh, people in our community that, you know, that remember these things and have researched these things. And sadly, a lot of them are losing. So, you know, the, uh, there's a lot of great stuff still out there um, and we need to get it before it's gone. There is just a ton of listings of pipe makers of the past and, and present, tons of pipe related articles and links to them. And hopefully the links still work because I know as you know, like with any with any uh, wiki style site, you know, sometimes there's a link that goes to an article that the website's gone. So, yeah, yeah uh, exactly. My my yeah, suggestion yeah. is if you find an article or find some information that you like, you know, print it out because. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what I would love to encourage uh, listeners, um, if you see anything on Pipedia that that you know to be inaccurate um, or dated. Uh, or you have information that's just not there, um, uh, please consider contributing it either directly. You can um, email me. I've got information on that up there to, uh, to so I can uh, help you get registered. Or if you're just not comfortable with computers uh, to that extent, you can email me the information or the corrections directly, and I'll make sure they get uh, included. Yeah, so pipedia.org, uh, sethealypipes.com. Uh, you know, I'm, a gl I'm glad you got that 
you know, that stupid piano tuning out of your way so that you can f- <laughs> free up more time to, to do stuff that we want. So, uh, Scott, yeah. we'll, we'll wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Uh, I'm ready. It's been 10 years, so we'll compare notes. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite pipe? Well, you know, I, I suspected that might be coming. Um, my favorite pipe has definitely evolved. Uh, it includes the original one I think I mentioned 10 years ago. It's a little uh, uh, apple with a square shank I made myself that was a precursor of a shape um, that I've gone on to enjoy. That little pipe smokes great all the time, regardless of how I abuse it. Uh, but you know, I love pipes and I like, I've got a, a collection of, uh, GBD pipes from the 1970s. And there's a couple of those that, you know, I wouldn't trade those for the world. Um, there's a couple other pipes in there. So it's, um, I guess the pipe I'm smoking, if it's carefully selected is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite tobacco? Uh, another moving target. My Yay. favorite tobacco um, was McClellan's 5110, uh, which was their dark English. Um, uh, and I still have a little bit of it. Um, but like everybody, um, uh, you know, I've looked to find some uh, tobaccos that kind of fit the same niche. I also really liked Frogmorton Cellars. So, um uh, Currently, I am smoking uh, Sutliff Heavy English, um, which I kind of have substituted for the Frogmorton original. And then I really like uh, Missouri Meerschaum's American Patriot, um, which is an English tobacco with a a fairly mild uh, topping of, um, of pretty good bourbon. I don't know what... Uh, I don't know what it is, but it reminds me so much of Frogmorton Cellar. If there's Frogmorton Cellar fans out there, I'd encourage you to try that. And speaking of bourbon, what is your favorite drink? Well, uh, <laughs> it is not bourbon, actually, <laughs> although I certainly have access um, to lots of great bourbon here. Um, I really love uh, craft beer, carefully made beer, and I have a favorite uh, of Edmund Fitzgerald, which is a, a porter made by Great Lakes Brewing Company uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. But to be honest with you, I love beer. Um, then uh, in the morning, like like right now, uh, my time, uh, I really love coffee. Um, yeah. And so it, it kind of depends on the time of day. Hey, so does your son, Chris. I, I, inside joke. People have to Google that to figure it out. Uh, <laughs> when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Oh, uh, music. I figured that one. And then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory, maybe from the last 10 years or so? You know, of course, meeting me and hanging out with me is on top of those, but oh, you don't gosh. have to mention that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> always. It's always when I get to be- together with you, Brian. Um, but there have been a few other uh, uh, memorable, memorable occasions. Um, and I'll mention one in particular. Uh, late one night at... Uh, the Chicago, God, was it Chicago Pipe Show? 
Um, you know, I don't remember the show. Uh, <laughs> I was in the smoking pipes, uh, hospitality room and, um, Tom L. Tang was up there and so was Todd Johnson. And, uh, they were both, uh, this was pretty late in the evening. Um, <laughs> yeah. everybody had imbibed pretty freely. Uh, but, and there were a number of us in the room, but it was primarily Todd and Tom reminiscing about Todd's first visit to Denmark, uh, to Tom's, <laughs> um, shop back in the, uh, well, he was in his twenties still a pretty young man. And it was amazing to hear these two guys reminisce about that. And, you know, what I was realizing at the time, and I'm sure I wasn't the only one, was that visit changed the trajectory of American pipe making. And so to hear hear all that firsthand from these guys, um, uh, I, I found it incredibly moving. And I'm sure... Being that late at night, there wasn't too much sobriety in the room, so the lips were a little <laughs> looser than they would be. There was, yes, no, it was, uh, everybody had, had been having a really good time and we're still having a good time. <laughs> Scott Thiele, thank you very much for coming on. We'll have to, well, we'll schedule this for at least another 10 years from now. Uh, <laughs> that's all the all the uh, pipe smoking public can take of me uh brian for sure <laughs> yeah and we'll uh and we'll see you at a pipe show somewhere on the road all right i'm looking forward to it thanks a bunch we'll be back in just a minute since its beginnings in 1876 savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory it's become a lifestyle from sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Make sure and check out everything Scott's making. Plus, check out Pipedia. And don't forget to uh, contact Scott to beg him to bring the platinum record out. And uh, speaking of the platinum record, it would only be apropos of me to play a song from Nickel Creek's uh, platinum record. And this song is called, I might pronounce this wrong, but In the House of Tom... Bombadil, Tom Bombadil. And, uh, you know, I picked this one because I think it uh, especially accentuates the bass in it.
from the album titled Nickel Creek. It's the band Nickel Creek. And if you go and buy another album or two, we can help uh, Scott get to that double platinum album. And remember, mailbag comments or questions can be emailed to me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at PipesMagazine.com or post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on PipesMagazine.com. We're still pre-recorded, so I won't be reading those here. But this question comes in from uh, the Pipe Rookie, Jim. And uh, Jim says, Brian, besides prices... What factors set apart the men from the boys when it comes to artisan pipe making? Now, I'm wondering if he's talking. So I'm going I'm to take this in two parts just so that I can uh, answer his question. All right. Uh, artisan, the difference between an artisan pipe and a factory pipe. And in my mind, and I am the, in my opinion, I'm the leading expert on my own opinion. An artisan pipe is a pipe that is made by one person from start to finish, and that person usually puts their name, you know, has their name or their brand, and nobody else really works on the pipe. All right. Now, what separates the men from the boys when it comes to those artisan pipes? Um, it's several things. One, primarily, one, it's reputation. All right. What is the person's reputation for the quality and consistency of their work? Uh, how much little details are put into the slot in the stem, the finish of the stem, the materials for the stems and the adornments? Um, I do believe in my mind that when you get from a $400 artisan pipe up to an $800 uh, to, you know, if, you, if you're dealing with a guy that, if you're dealing with a pipe maker whose entry level pipes are 350 to 400 or somebody who's 750 to 800, what you, the big difference is you get somebody who's got a better reputation for consistently making a better smoking pipe. And some pipe makers, uh, you know, when they, when an artisan pipe maker starts out in that $350, $400 range or $200, whatever it is, their goal is to get better and better and to get their prices up and they learn muscle memory and skills to make their pipes better as they go. So their introductory pipes are lower priced and they always want to kind of work their way up. Uh, that's not always the case. And it's, you know, there are some artisan pipe makers who, learn how to make pipes faster and want to keep the prices down so that they can make production and keep them in a price range that's more uh, accessible to people. Or at the same time, on the opposite, there's artisan pipe makers that want to find the finest details, get the finest briar, age their briar extra long, work on developing uh, new, you know, new treatments to the briar, whatever it may be, or a specialized bowl coating. And they want to consistently try to achieve a perfect straight grain and a better pipe. So those are the guys that you, that you'll see pushing the pipes up. They might be, uh, you know, might be a more artistic shaping to it where the guys down in the three fifty to $400 range might be more in a traditional, simpler shaping. 
So there's not as much work in it. Uh, remember when you start doing these otter shapes like the blowfish and some of these standing pipes and you start adding adornments and stuff every time you do that step or add another step to it. Well, you're starting to add more difficulty and you're starting to add more time and you're starting to add more opportunity for something to go very bad. And part of the price of the pipe that you're paying for is the pipes that went bad. So I hope that answers your question. Um, the trick is, as always, you know, find the pipes that work for you. All right. Again, comments, questions, email me, Brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, real quickly, Las Vegas International Pipe Show. Get ready. In uh, the middle of February, we'll roll out the website with the updated information and room reservations and all that stuff. So start planning ahead again October 13th, 14th, and 15th at the Palace Station, Las Vegas, Nevada. And rant time is coming up next. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Thoid Floor Men's Clothing. Suits, shoes, ties, trousers, cufflinks, going up. I beg your pardon, but on what floor might I find the luxury tobaccos, pipes, and accessories? Well, I'll tell you, pal, if it's those things you's looking for, you need to visit tinbids.com. Ah, yes, of course. You mean the pipe collector's auction site, right? That's right, Mac. You can buy and sell pipes, accessories, and vintage and hard-to-find luxury tobaccos. You know, just like you were saying. So I can sell my pipes and tobaccos too? Why, that's just fine. Yeah, you bet your life, buddy. So, what'll it be? Can you take me to the floor where the computers are then? What's a computer? Visit tinbids.com, the pipe collector's auction site, and sign up today. I have decided that I now want to run for the House of Representatives. Yeah, I want to be a United States congressman in the uh, in the House of Representatives. And why do I want to do that? Well, they were able, amongst the new rules, they were able to vote back in that members can smoke in their offices if they want to. Well, I want to smoke. And now I've got an office job. You know, I could get that office job and be able to go and smoke in the office. So guess what? I can now run for uh, Congress and be a member of the House of Representatives. <laughs> now, here's the real rant. How about if the United States Congress or the House of Representatives, how about if they let other businesses decide if they want to allow people to smoke? How about if you let the business owners and the business managers decide for themselves, just like, just like you guys just decided for yourselves that, you know, it's okay if the member wants to smoke in their office, 
That's entirely up to them. So how about if you let the bar owner decide if he wants to have smoking in his bar? It's his business. Just like you decided the rules for your House of Representatives and the offices there, why don't you let a restaurant decide? Are they going to allow smoking? So how about you make a nationwide law that says it's up to the owner of the business to decide whether or not smoking will be allowed in there. Just like you guys decided on the Capitol building and the United States House of Representatives private offices. Huh? Isn't that fair? If you can do it, why can't we do it for anyone we want out here? All right. There you go. Uh, remember, comments, questions, please keep emailing them to me. Brian at PipesMagazine.com. Uh, iTunes ratings and reviews, much, much, much appreciated. If you get a chance, please go over there and do that. Uh, Las Vegas International Pipe Show, October 13th, 14th, and 15th in uh, the Palace Station, Las Vegas, Nevada. Information to come in a couple of weeks on the website and registration and all that. So thank you very much to uh, Scott Thiele for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? How had you people try to get a little track lead? Not to jump around like a bunch of Kansas City faggots. <laughs>